Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. Freaking out about coronavirus makes us more vulnerable to terrorism. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. Yes, indeed. Did you ever think about that? Freaking out about coronavirus makes you more vulnerable to terrorism. Now, um... Let me explain about uh, how this works. First of all, um, we are overreacting to the coronavirus. The world is going crazy, and that is making us more vulnerable, not only to coronavirus, but to terrorism. And I'll explain about how this all works. First of all, any time that you have stress, whether it is what I call the coronavirus stress syndrome or um, before coronavirus, any kind of stress, stress related to work, stress related to relationships, anything that is stressing you out weakens your immune system. I mean, that is, has long, long been known. And that means that you are more susceptible to getting everything from colds to cancer. We know that the immune system or we know that stress affects your body. I mean, let me just, you know, make sure, remind you of things that you have heard about um, uh, where stress affects your blood pressure, causes high blood pressure, it causes ulcers, it causes all kinds of physical kinds of problems and including lowering your immune system, weakening your immune system. So the more you are worried about getting coronavirus, the more you are more likely to get it because you are weakening your immune system. Now, I'm going to tell you um, later on in the show about what the 10 symptoms of coronavirus stress syndrome are and what you can do to um, avoid uh, well, if you have it, what, can, what you can do about it. But first, let me tell you about terrorism and what this has to do with it. Um, let me uh, tell you about how the uh, coronavirus is the perfect blueprint for the aspiring bioterrorist. Now, we are actually more vulnerable to terror attacks of any kind, but um, the coronavirus is furnishing a blueprint to wannabe bioterrorists. And they can use this um, 
pathogen, this virus, and weaponize it. So we have to be, or the authorities, the people who, who the counter-terrorist authorities should be vigilant about that. Um, let me tell you how this works, but I'm not, it's not just, you know, it's not just the bioterrorism from the coronavirus. It is terrorism in general, and I will get to that. So now, the reason why um, the coronavirus would be appealing to terrorists is because of how it evolved. It evolved from this Chinese backwater. We don't quite know. <laughs> in fact, you know, there are theories that it actually was uh, cooked up in a lab as bioterrorism in China to begin with. We don't quite know that yet. Um, but in, in fact, we don't know whether it's from a pangolin, a bat, whether it was cooked up in, the, you know, there is evidence that there was a research lab right near the market in Wuhan um, as far as where, you know, whether it came from the market, you know, just an animal coincidentally, or whether it came from the research in the lab, from a bat, from a pangolin, to a pangolin. I mean, it's still a mystery. But in any case, it went from this, from Wuhan, um, to a lethal global pandemic. And um, that idea, that concept, obviously would be very interesting to terrorists. So, uh, especially when you think about where we are today, you know, what has happened to the world, mainly out of panic, not so much because of the coronavirus, which actually in America has a 1% uh, lethality, 1% death rate, but in um, other countries, you know, of course, China, uh, notably, uh, it has a much higher death rate. And of course, that's because people are living much closer together and the medication, the medicine, um, the medical establishment isn't as good as in the US and in some other countries and so on. But um, they, so obviously, it has had a, a tremendous effect there. But um, even country, country like Italy, and of course, it's so interesting. Everybody kind of wondered why in Europe, why Italy? Um, and Italy, it turns out, there has a lot of investment in it from China. A lot of Chinese people, there's a lot of travel between Italy and China. Who knew? <laughs> the Chinese have decided to invest billions of dollars or Chinese money into Italy. So um, that is why Italy has, um, is suffering from such a tremendous amount of this virus. So it also, of course, the stock market um, has gone on a roller coaster. It's wiped billions from the stock market. It's threatening to plunge the world into economic recession, this uh, coronavirus. And it's an invisible killer that um, is filling us with an overreaction, an overdread, and draining community resilience, um, exacerbating societal tensions, disrupting supply chains, and making us question the credibility of governments whose job it is to protect us. You know, of course, politics are getting into this. Everybody's, you know, people use uh, anything to question Trump, who I think is being very reasonable in saying that um, we shouldn't panic. But, you know, then there are people who are trying to say, oh, yes, we should. Um, 
And of course, the stores, if you've been to a store lately, you um, would see that you it doesn't have a lot of things that you're looking for. People are having panic shopping. Um, and, you know, they're, this kind of this kind of situation where the world is just basically going crazy is a perfect situation for terrorists to take advantage of. Now, um, you know, this isn't as dramatic as, uh, as 9-11 or as running a van into um, a shopping market or things like that or, or using, a, um, using the date uh, or, uh, you know, for an attack or the place of an attack for the greatest PR value. But, um, but um, it, it is very, you know, so it's not so efficient, but, and it's not, doesn't have as good PR value, but it is, it, we are vulnerable. Now, let me tell you, remind you of some of the um, bioterrorism attacks that have had very uh, significant impacts. For example, now this isn't terror, well, this isn't ISIS type of terrorism or radical Islamic terrorism, but just to remind you, in 1995, there was a Japanese death cult called Aum Shinrikyo, and they released sarin into uh, three lines of the Tokyo subway. It killed 13 people, but uh, it, there were 5,000 patients who ran to hospitals, inundating hospitals, hysterical after this attack, and people who suffered eye injuries, um, some of them were permanent, and it was only a few deranged chemistry students who were radicalized into this cult who inflicted years of suffering and insecurity in this attack, the sarin attack. Now, looking at ISIS, in 2016, um, ISIS fired a shell into um, a U.S. Army base in Mosul, and um, it had traces of mustard gas in it. And this had been used in Belgium and France in World War I. So, you know, they, they used it to, I mean, as recently as 2016, into our army base. Then in 2018, they, ISIS sent out propaganda videos showing San Francisco under a cloud of green noxious gas. And it urged its followers, ISIS urged followers to use rat and human feces to concoct serious plagues that was what they said, concoct serious plagues uh, in lone wolf bioattacks. And of course, we know that Iran has a history of trying to develop and manufacture chemical and biological weapons. So, in other words, um, the wannabe bioterrorist uh, radical Islamists might well look to coronavirus now as the long-awaited substance that they could um, that they could use. Well, let me tell you um, when we come back, I will tell you more about um, how the relationship between coronavirus and potential bioterrorism. And after I frighten you to. <laughs> 
<laughs> after I frighten you, I was going to say to death, I won't say that. Um, after I frighten you, I will give you, uh, I will give you, I will tell you first of all about what ISIS is telling, you know, ISIS is giving advice to their terrorists. I'll tell you what ISIS is saying, and then I'll tell you what I'm saying for what you can do to not panic so that we are not sitting ducks for terrorists. Stay tuned. You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned, and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. Now back to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Welcome back to The Terrorist Therapist Show, um, where we're talking today about freaking out about coronavirus makes us more vulnerable to terrorists. Well, um, and I certainly don't mean to freak you out more. I know that that's probably um, what I am doing. However, by the end of the show, I promise that I will be giving you a cure for this freak out. Um, But, you know, my point, however, is that we, to get you to realize how important it is not to freak out because, um, as I said, because not only does that, the stress of freaking out, uh, impact your immune system, weaken it, but, um, but also it makes us, you know, all this panic running around, everybody's running around with chick, like chickens with their head, heads cut off. <laughs> That's an interesting metaphor talking about terrorists, right? Um, <laughs> Uh, and so we need to not do that. And we also, in particular, um, people who are, you know, uh, I hope that people who are uh, in the security and intelligence services are keeping their eye on the ball uh, and realizing not and not just worrying about, you know, coronavirus, what to do, but also realizing that we the more distracted our government is about coronavirus, the less they're going to be keeping their eye on the ball in regard to terrorism. Now, um, not only could, in terms of the current situation, not only could a terrorist, a lone wolf, um, who has uh, COVID-19 decide to become a super spreader uh, by walking in amongst with people as much as possible. In other words, trying to spread their coronavirus, COVID-19, um, to other people, to as many people as possible. Put even, you know, not only walking in crowds, but like uh, <laughs> sneezing into their hand. <laughs> this is gross. Sneezing into their hand or coughing into their hand and spreading it on surfaces. Um, but, you know, this wouldn't necessarily, and perhaps it's actually happening already and we wouldn't necessarily know it. Um, but that, you know, usually terrorists like to have more attention given to their attacks. So it's possibly, it possibly has already begun. We don't know if there are any lone terrorists spreading their germs, uh, spreading the virus all over the place. But, but I just want to make, I'm going to make this point again, but I want to make sure I, I um, tell you now, you know, whether it's a terrorist or just your neighbor or, you know, um, some innocent kind of way that you get exposed to coronavirus. 
um, you can't really control that. I mean, the thing that people are not realizing is that because there's this whole thing about you should be six, six feet away from people, 15 feet away from people. It changes all the time. You shouldn't hug. I mean, um, all of this. The point is that you, you, you are bound to what, oh, and then, yes, and then the, the changes in terms, they don't really know about how long the droplets of coronavirus last. So it was originally, it was three hours. Now I heard reports where it's days. So the point is, there's no way really to protect yourself from somehow or other being exposed to coronavirus. No way to control that. But there is a way to control how you, your body, reacts to it. Whether, in other words, whether you're going to get infected by it. I mean, we have germs all around us right now. You are surrounded by germs, not necessarily the coronavirus yet, but all kinds of germs, all kinds of viruses, bacteria. But it, the, more, the healthier you are, the better your immune system is, the better your general health is, the more you're able to fight off all the germs that you are exposed to every single day. So you can control that. And I'm going to tell you at the end how, what to do to control that better. But I mean, you know, whether it's a terrorist super spreader or whether it's just some innocent kind of way that you get exposed to the coronavirus, your best way of not getting it is by working on your own psychological and physical health. All right, so let me continue. Um, you know, the... The um, the fact that we are demoralized, that some of us are demoralized, depressed, panic-stricken, disturbed, distracted, um, this is this is all an environment that makes us sitting ducks for terror attacks, whether it's bioterrorism or any other kind of terrorism. Let me tell you, I know this is what you've all been waiting for. Um, the Islamic State's advice on dealing with coronavirus. <laughs> you want to hear what ISIS is telling its followers to do and not to do? This, you you got to love this. Um, they are making rec recommendations, ISIS is recommend, making recommendations into, as to how their followers, how jihadists, should ward off the evil bug. They put this out in their media, and some of the instructions uh, to terrorists on the front lines include, stay away from sick people, wash your hands before eating, avoid travel to the affected areas, put your faith in God and seek refuge from him. Illnesses do not strike by themselves, but by the command and decree of God. Uh, then ISIS has also issued travel warnings. Um, healthy people should refrain from entering virus-hit states, and infected people should not exit them. I mean, do these things sound familiar? It's basically the same things that we are being told. Uh, they, they, they titled this list of what to do and what not to do, Directives to Deal with the Epidemic. 
They also said things like covering your mouth when coughing and sneezing and washing your hands regularly. Amazing. Um, <laughs> jihadists are being told the same thing as we are. Um, that is not, uh, see, we're all human. Um, then we have, we have um, an organization called um, the Middle East Media Research Institute that is trying to tell uh, extremist Muslim clerics not to tell their congregation that natural, natural disasters like the coronavirus is a punishment visited by Allah upon the non-believers. So now, even though um, they're saying, this organization is saying that even though this is absurd, you know, this seems absurd to many that it would be Allah uh, causing uh, coronavirus for the non-believers, still, some of these conspiracy theories are actually popular in the congregations of the clerics who are telling them this. So this organization, um, the Middle East Media Research Institute, is calling upon Muslims worldwide to denounce these ideas and to, because it distorts the religion, with a humane and compassionate understanding. In other words, instead of believing this, have more compassion. Um, and so the, the head of this, of this, of memory, of this organization, is saying, um, in the aftermath of every natural disaster and epidemic outbreak around the world, radical Muslim clerics and their followers rush to describe it as a divine punishment visited by Allah upon the unbelievers. Despite the absurdity of such claims, which present God as a temperamental and unjust uh, God, they gain wide currency among Muslims. I was therefore unsurprised when extremist Syrian cleric, when an extremist Syrian cleric stated in his recent Friday sermon that coronavirus was Allah's revenge upon the atheists, communists, and Buddhists of China for their oppression of the Muslims. Even more dangerous and appalling than the statement itself was the fact that nobody among the hundreds of worshipers at the mosque dared to object or to challenge his absurd claim. And then there's a fatwa um, that they posted, that these radical clerics posted, in which he permitted the Muslims to celebrate the epidemic in China and beseeched Allah to annihilate the Chinese. And this also went unchallenged by these congregations. Um, now, he, he also said, this is uh, Mansour the the project manager um, the um, the director of memory the director of the Middle East um, Media Research Institute this I'm quoting him and he said the theory of divine punishment would make more sense if Muslim nations were spared disasters and epidemics however they are not. This is why when the victims are Muslims, the clerics describe the same disasters as trials or tests of the Muslim's faith, a religious concept that few devout Muslims dare to question. 
So he's saying, in my opinion, two factors contributed to shaping the belief that epidemics and natural disasters are divine punishments for disobeying Allah or else tests of the Muslim faith. First, stories that appear in the Quran and Hadith about nations that were annihilated by plagues and disasters because they disobeyed God or disbelieved in his prophets. Second, a sense of powerlessness coupled with a belief in a conspiracy against Islam and Muslims. So he's saying this is why these uh, radical um, statements that the clerics are making are not questioned. Well, um, oh my goodness, I just realized I'm going over in this section as well, but I have a lot to tell you about this. When we come back, <laughs> I will tell you about um, the 10 symptoms of coronavirus stress syndrome and what you can do about it so that you are not as vulnerable to coronavirus and not as vulnerable to uh, a terror attack. So stay tuned. You've been listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. Now back to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Welcome back. We're talking today about how freaking out about coronavirus makes us more vulnerable to terrorism. Well, um, I know I may have been freaking you out a little more in the first two segments of today's show, but um, I mean, really, I'm not telling you, you really need, I mean, you probably weren't, weren't thinking about uh, how terrorism relates to the coronavirus or how the coronavirus and the panic that we have all gotten into because of an overreaction is making us more vulnerable to a terror attack. And I know you're probably thinking, what? Now on top of coronavirus, she wants me to be worried about a terror attack? Well, I don't want you to be worried about it. Uh, in fact, I want you to realize that that is all the more reason why you need to calm yourself down in general. And I will be giving you some advice on how to do that. Um, but first, let me tell you about the 10 symptoms of the coronavirus stress syndrome. This is the coronavirus stress test. Uh, and again, remember, the whole point of this is being stressed out about, about coronavirus, about terrorism, <laughs> about the combination um, weakens your immune system. But there are things you can do about it. And again, you don't have control. Well, you don't have control over terror attacks, and you don't have control about being exposed to the coronavirus. Because as I was saying, there are droplets, you know, this whole idea of not, of staying six feet apart or 15 feet apart is, is ridiculous. Because in the meantime, there, while you're standing six or 15 feet apart from someone, um, in that same room, you know, uh, an hour ago might have been someone with coronavirus and the droplets may still be in that room. So you can't control that. You can only control making yourself healthier. Okay. 
So, all right, here are the 10 symptoms of coronavirus stress syndrome. First of all, anxiety, which you suspect <laughs> is related to the fear of catching coronavirus. I think, I think probably uh, all of us have some degree of that. Then obsession with news about coronavirus. That means watching, listening, or reading about it more than three hours a day. Three, compulsion to keep checking how many people have died or where the latest case is located. So in other words, um, in addition to watching or being consuming media more than three hours a day, you, another symptom is checking media uh, to see whether someone new has died or whether, or, or whether anyone close to you, whether there's the latest case is anywhere near you. Four, avoiding mixing with people, such as on public transportation or in malls or movie theaters. Now, I'm not uh, telling you to purposely uh, go out and, and um, walk around in crowds uh, just for the hell of it, but um, avoiding it, you know, being paranoid about it and avoiding it, um, you know, such as not taking the bus, deciding not to go to work because you have to take the bus to work or the subway to work. Um, then uh, avoiding all physical contact from shaking hands to hugging or kissing. Now, I know, I know you have heard um, in the news, don't shake hands, certainly don't hug or kiss. Well, first of all, we need hugs. Did you know that we need four, and this is before the coronavirus that they figured this out, we need at least four hugs a day to survive. We need the, when you are hugged, you know that good feeling that you get from someone hugging you? Well, that sets off all kinds of chemicals, a chemical reaction in your brain, and it, it makes you um, feel good and makes you, uh, and, and sends out things that make you healthier. So uh, we need four a day to survive, <laughs> eight a day to maintain ourselves at the state that we're in, and 12 a day to thrive. So can you imagine if we're not even shaking hands, no less hugging? It is not good psychologically. Um, now in, the, in Wuhan, they have the Wuhan shake where they shake hands with their feet. You know, one foot touches the other person's foot and then the other, your other foot touches the other person's foot. I mean, you can do that like for fun, you know, to laugh about it. And then of course there are elbow bumps and so on. Um, but you know, people are like wearing, in Starbucks the other day, there was a man wearing gloves, a mask and gloves. I mean, first of all, we're not supposed, well, I'll get to that later, the masks, but you know, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, then let's see, number six. Ordering in food and other necessities instead of shopping for them your usual way, or stockpiling more than you can reasonably use. Now, as you know, this has gone, people have gone crazy with this. I mean, toilet paper, of course, is the number one thing that, um, as if toilet paper is going to stop you from getting coronavirus, right? Um, and that came from this whole ridiculous thing in, it started in Australia when um, 
people, there was a rumor that went around about how toilet paper, at least in Australia, is made in China. And so they said there's going to be a shortage because of, you know, people not going to work in China because of the virus, like, you know, having to stay home. So that, you know, that rumor went around, well, then they're not going to be able to make toilet paper <laughs> and not going to be able to send it to us. And so everybody freaked out about toilet paper. And that has spread all over the world. And now there is nary a roll of toilet paper to be found. Actually, where I live, um, they, there's this one store where they, uh, you have to get there early in the morning to get toilet paper, but they are managing to put some out each day and they are limiting how much you can buy. So that's one way of trying to deal with it in a more reasonable way. Number seven, calling in sick to work when you're not really sick or keeping your children home from school um, if the, their school hasn't closed. Then eight, crossing the street or taking other measures to avoid people who you think come from China, South Korea, Italy, Iran, Japan. Those are the main places where there are, you know, the main sites of coronavirus. Um, so this is causing xenophobia. This is causing children to bully children from China, especially at the beginning when it was focused on China. Um, there were cases reported of bullying of Chinese children out of fear. There were cases of parents calling the dorms, uh, calling schools, calling colleges and universities and wanting to change the dorm room of their child if their child was um, in, in a room with a Chinese person. Presumably that has all also spread to roommates from South Korea, Japan, Italy, and Iran. Um, so that is ridiculous. Um, number nine is wearing a mask when we have been told not to. And when really the purpose of a mask is if you have coronavirus, the purpose of a mask is to so that you don't spread it to other people. It is not for people to not get it from other people, except for health professionals, doctors, nurses who are working in a hospital where they are seeing, treating uh, coronavirus patients. So they are surrounded by coronavirus. And in that case, a mask is justified, but not for average everyday people walking around the streets. And then number 10, staying home until the pandemic has passed. And apparently there are some people who have just decided that they are going to stay in their home uh, and not leave for however many months it's going to it's going to take for the pandemic to pass. Now, let me tell you about things that you can take to um, calm your panic and to make yourself healthier. I mean, you know, another not only is the media sensationalizing coronavirus. And that's, that's why that's really feeding the majority of the panic. But then there are also people who are trying to profit, literally profit from the coronavirus. So they're trying to, you know, I'm sure you might be getting emails where people are trying to sell masks and all kinds of miracle products that are going to stop you from getting coronavirus. I mean, that's not true, but um, that's what they want you to believe. So I got one that I think is the ultimate. Uh, I woke up one morning to, to an email that said, coronavirus, the sneeze of death. So these are the kinds of things that are making people freak out. So here's what you can do. Seven steps you can take. 
First of all, the number one step is calm yourself with stress relievers. From meditation to calming music, to walks in nature, to welcoming a rescue pet, to all kinds of other things, aromatherapy, um, yoga, whatever, just, you know, if you don't know things to do that are stress relievers, Google it. Um, surely you have heard lots of things over the years about, you know, what you should do to relieve your stress. Um, I mean, I've talked about this in regard to terrorism. I've given out lots of uh, suggestions for stress relievers. And that is the number one thing that you need to do. Then also, of course, to, to fix your physical body, practice the basics that you should be doing anyway, every day before coronavirus. Wash your hands frequently, eat nutritious food, take vitamins, get enough sleep and exercise. Then avoid consuming fear-mongering news stories or associating with fear-mongering people. Instead, strengthen bonds with friends and family, especially those you live with, since there may come a time when you're going to be spending much more time with them. And this is called social supports. We know that social supports, you know, it's a psychological phenomenon, the opposite of social distance. Um, you need to be uh, in contact. You need the support of people, friends and family and colleagues to make you feel better for whatever the situation in life, just in general. Then visit your doctor for a checkup so you can fix whatever you might need treatment for. Like in other words, uh, see whether we know that the coronavirus is more serious in people, in older people and people who have underlying health conditions. So um, if you have if you're older or if you have an underlying condition, you should go to your doctor. I mean, you, you should be especially the ones who go to your doctor for a checkup, just a regular old checkup. Uh, I'm not saying wait till you have some kind of symptoms, but a regular old checkup just to make sure that any underlying condition is being treated with the right medication. It's is in its best state as possible. And if you don't have any underlying condition or you don't think you do, just get a checkup and make sure you don't. Then um, if you do have many of these symptoms of coronavirus stress syndrome, and remember I said if you have three or more, you have it. So if you have it and it feels out of control, get psychotherapy. And then step seven, uh, envision a plan for accommodations you could make if the risk of coronavirus comes closer, such as working from home. So if you have a plan B, what you would do if you really needed to stay in your house, um, then have a plan B. Well, um, I hope, I know I've given you a lot to think about. Um, and again, just remember the reason why I have been talking about all of these things today is because I've basically given you another reason to not freak out. I mean, one is because lowering your immune system makes you more vulnerable to catching coronavirus. And two, because while you are distracted by coronavirus and panicking, um, there, that is giving the more, the more America, the more America is stricken by this panic, the more vulnerable we all are to a terror attack. 
So thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your terrorist therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to The Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.